What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right, 11 o'clock. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. Man, I am excited for this morning. Do me a favor one more time. Can we get up for everyone watching online as well? We want to honor them. Thanks for watching us. Service today. So bummed you couldn't be in the room, but glad you're joining us online anyway. And man, I am excited. It's a new year. First Sunday of the year. You did it. You made it. You couldn't have made it, but you decided to make it. And some of y'all went to the gym all week and still showed up to church. Come on now. Extra credit. Let's go. Let's go. Now you just got to make sure to come back next week and we'll be good. Well, I'm excited for uh, what we're going to be preaching on. We're going to do a small series entitled The New. And I'm just excited because I believe that we're in a season that God wants to do something new in your life and my life. I believe God is the God of doing new things. Can I get an amen? That God is not interested in doing old things. God's interested in doing new things. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit in the next few weeks. So do me a favor. Stay on your feet. Let's go ahead and read the word this morning. Let's go ahead and jump in it. Let's read the word. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 32. Very popular passage of scripture. And I'm going to try to do my best to communicate it. First service was off the hook. I believe God's just going to kind of roll it over to this one. And uh, I think just this story in itself is profound. And so we're going to try to jump in and learn some things from this passage. And then we're going to see what God's going to do. So let's go ahead and read it. Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 to 32. Let's get into it. And it says this. And Jacob was left alone. Come on, that's a message all in itself. I'm going to be honest. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Verse 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said to him, sorry, Jacob said to him, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27. And he said to him, what is your name. And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but now Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Verse 29. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Verse 31. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We're excited for what you're going to do. I pray I would get out of the way, and I pray that ears in the room would listen to what you have to say this morning. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Now, listen, I know it's the first Sunday of the year, but how many know that we get a little loud in our church if it's good, okay? And so I'm, I'm not like one of those, like, don't talk preacher. I, I'm a holla back preacher. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm going to be honest. I came with the regular mic because I, I feel like preaching today. I do. I, I do. I really do. So I'm going to need you to help me out. I'll help you out. We'll all leave and God will just do the rest. Sound good? Sound good. I want to talk to you today about just this idea of God changing Jacob's name to Israel. Now, this story is fascinating. We find in scripture that the Bible says that Jacob is just alone one day. And next thing you know, that he has an encounter, a moment with God that transforms his life forever. Now, now let me pause real quick. Here's what I've learned. I love new things. I don't know about you, but I like new things. Not just love them. I like them. I'm going to be honest. 
I'm a little bit bougie. I'm just going to be real. I remember one time I was hanging out with uh, my wife and a missionary kid that we were speaking at a church in Fresno. I might have shared the story last year, but if I shared it again, I apologize, but some of you may not have heard it. And uh, I remember I was hanging out with this kid. And as I was hanging out with this kid and my wife and a, and a pastor friend of mine, this kid out of nowhere randomly looks at me and says, hey, if you can define yourself or describe yourself in one word, what would the word be? And before I can even answer, like I was going to say something like holy, legit, you know, whatever, you know, something, something good. My wife didn't even get, I didn't even get an answer. Vanessa looks to me and just goes extra. Some of y'all, you got to get a wife that's being able to tell you the truth. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all young single guys and you, you want the girl to just look good, but no, she got to pierce your heart with her words. I'm just saying, that's how you know you found a good one. My wife just be stabbing me in my heart sometimes with the things she says. She's little, but she'll get you. All right. Extra. It's true. I am a little extra. I love not only new things, but if you like new things, you like the smell of new things. Can I get an amen? Come on now. Like a new house or that new car smell. Well, come on, preaching now. Everybody said, Jesus, I came to get blessed with that new car in 2024. I'm just kidding. Though. And, uh, no, <laughs> you know, no, okay. So here's my favorite new smell. I'm going to just be honest. My favorite new smell. Yeah, someone knows me. I love that new sneaker smell. My favorite new smell is a Jordan one. You open that box, you put it against your nose. Oh, dude, that's what heaven smells like. Heaven smells like Jordan ones and in and out at 11 a.m. off of Luis Avenue. That's what heaven smells like, yo. Whoo. Okay. I love it. I do. I do. And everyone has a thing. And if you don't, that's okay. But we love new things. Come on, let's be real. We love new things. We like new things. Here's what I've learned. I love new things, but I don't like change. Right? You like new things. I like new things. We love new things. We love when God's doing something new, but we don't want God to change us. We love the new. We hate the changes. And can I tell you that every one of us has a relationship with change? Now, and let me explain this. We, we all have a relationships with, in a sense, different words that might be not necessarily real, but they're invisible. They're, they're inside of us, right? We have, for example, a relationship with our calling. I don't know if you know that, where you have to develop this relationship with the thing that God has called you to do. All of us have a relationship with change. Here's what I've learned. Most of us love new, but we don't like change. We avoid change as much as possible. We try to stay away from change as much as possible. But I came to tell you that if God wants to do something new, he's also got to do something deep in you to change you. Because the only way God's going to do something through you is he's got to change something inside you. Oh, come on. I'm going to say that on this side because no one. The only way God can do something new in you and wants to do something new through you is he's got to begin to change something on the inside of you. If you're going into 2024 and you're like, I want my marriage to be new, right? I want God to renew it. Not like a new marriage. Don't like simmer down on that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Yo, I had to clear that one up because we're recorded right now. So, right. I want God to do something new in my family. I want God to do something new in my job. I want God to do something in my children, in my, in my kids, on my campus, in my school, in my relationships. I want God to do something new. Can I tell you that that comes with change? 
And you and I have to learn to love change. We don't have to like it, but you got to learn to love it and you got to learn how to embrace it. You got to love change like that cousin that you don't like, but you got to love. Come on, y'all know it. And if they're in the room, don't look at them. We got, right? There's a Mexican church, really. Like, we got all these families here, and not even just Mexican, just every nationality. Just like everyone's related all of a sudden in our church. And, and right? Like, we got to love change. We got to. And I know that's difficult to hear, and I know that's hard to understand, but can I tell you that when you begin to embrace God's change for your life, then and only then can you hold God's blessing for your life. Only then you can hold God's favor for your life. Only then can you only handle God's purpose for your life. You don't get all the fluffy good stuff without the real stuff that God wants to do in the inside of you. Can I also say something? I have learned this, that we love change only when it's to someone else. Come on now. Some of you in the room, you're like, man, I can't wait for this message to be done because I'm sending it to my nephew on YouTube. You hear that? Pastor's talking about change. That's right. You need to change, mijo. You need to, you need to change your life. That's right. I know. I know. You're getting the bullet ready. Can I tell you, we love change when it's someone else, but we don't like change when it's us. Can 2024 be a year where you're okay with God not just giving you new things, but changing things on the inside of you? Because here's what I've learned. God's always doing something new. I want you to know today that God's not trying to do something new because it's 2024 in the new year. God's been trying to do something new with you the last three months. You're just not paying attention. And can I also tell you that God doesn't work on your timeline. God doesn't work on the calendar year that you have. It's as if you think God goes on vacation when you go on vacation. That's not how it works. But can I tell you today that if you would embrace the newness of God, if you would embrace the thing that God wants to do, if you'd embrace the thing that God desires to do in your life, in your family, for your future, then you also have to learn to embrace change. It is part of what God does. It's a part of what the Bible talks about. It's all throughout scripture. Jesus is the greatest change agent in humanity. He changed everything when he stepped on the scene. The Holy Spirit is the greatest change agent today where God with newness and change, they are married together. Here's the reality of the story. The Bible says that Jacob was a man who had all sorts of things in his life. I'm going to give you the ESPN highlights in a minute. But it took a moment with God where he wrestled with God that everything began to change forever. Why? Because for Jacob to handle the new, God had to change something on the inside of him. I'm believing for you and I and our church that God is calling us to something new. Therefore, have I allowed God to do the change that he needs to do in me? Because the two go hand in hand. So let's talk about this. And there, there's plenty of stories in scripture where the Bible talks about different people's names changing. This isn't the only one. We're going to talk about another one next week in the New Testament. But it's always good to kind of hear the definitions of these names. So that way we can understand the context on why God would even change the name. So let me go through this. So Jacob in Hebrew is defined as heel holder, supplanter, and deceiver. That's his name. I don't know about you, but that's kind of a crazy name. If someone in the room is named Jacob and you didn't know what that means, I'm sorry. You're like, oh man, it's okay. It's okay. Let me explain kind of the story behind it. So the Bible says that Jacob was born as a twin. Him and his brother Esau were born at the same time, right? But the Bible says that Esau was born first. Now their father, Isaac, right? And 
the, the wife, Rebecca, as, as they're getting born, the Bible says that Jacob, as Esau was coming out, Jacob was holding on to the heel of his brother, Esau. Now, I don't know about you, but that's some crazy stuff. Like, I know if that was my daughter holding my son, she would have been like, yank and try to put him back in. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he did not want to be born second. He wanted to be born first. At the womb, straight out the gate, Jacob was doing the most. Right out the bat, to the point where his father names him heel holder because he held on to his brother heel, brother's heel. Fast forward a couple uh, years later, just depending on the timeline, right? Many years later, the Bible says that because of the way it was in context in the Old Testament, the oldest sibling got the blessing, got the birthright, and got the most inheritance. Meaning, I want you to understand this, meaning that the legacy of Abraham, which then went to Isaac, should have went to Esau, but it, descend, it ends up going to Jacob. Okay, so the lineage of all this that we've talked about, we talked about this a lot in the Davis series last year, where all this legacy and lineage, it should have went to Esau, it ends up going to Jacob, and Jesus ends up being born from the lineage of Jacob, not the lineage of Esau. Here's why. Later on, we find that Esau comes home one day, he's starving, Jacob has some soup, Esau's like, give me some soup, and Jacob's like, nah fam, give me your birthright. I don't know about you, but that's like the worst trade in all of history. This dude settled for his birthright for a bowl of soup. Jacob's doing the most, and Esau's just dumb. For a bowl of soup, Esau says, okay. And he go ahead and gives his birthright. And then, and then it gets even shadier. The Bible says that Isaac loved Esau, the oldest, but Rebekah, the mom, loved Jacob, the youngest. And as Isaac, I don't want to get confused because I did this first service. As Isaac was on his deathbed. And the Bible says he was starting to lose his sight as he was about to leave. The Bible says that Jacob and Rebekah swindle their father and that, ja uh, that Isaac actually prays over Jacob instead of praying over Esau. And so not only does Jacob steal Esau's birthright, he steals Esau's blessing. That word supplanter, if you're wondering like, what does that mean? Why, why does all this matter? Because supplanter means someone who would take over someone else's throne. And deceiver, right, is someone who would lie and cheat and deceive people to get what they want. Why does this matter? Because before this moment with God, this is Jacob's reality. Jacob is known by this. Jacob has lived by this. Jacob's name has matched his actions. But something happens in Genesis 32 where Jacob has an encounter with God, wrestles what we believe is either God or Jesus or an angel of the Lord. Some people even think it's Jacob wrestling with his old identity. There's some theology and background. Nevertheless, it doesn't really matter. Jacob has this moment where it's very clear that God intervenes and begins to wrestle with him. And after this moment, Jacob is no longer the heel holder deceiver, but now his name is Israel. That it means God prevails. The one who struggles with God and prince of God. God changes his name. This is why. Can I, can I share with you? I believe one of the reasons why. Because if Jacob stayed Jacob, he wouldn't be able to handle the plan and purpose of God for the future. God had to change Jacob's name to Israel because God had a different plan for Jacob and he changes the name. Can I tell you when God changes names in scripture, it's not for fun, but it's because there's a new season, there's a new vision, and there's a new purpose. 
And so let's just speak to this in your life. If God is wanting to do something new, it's not to just do something new because he doesn't like you and he wants to just mess with you. No, no, no. There's a new season. There's a new vision. There's a new purpose. But God needs to do the inside change to handle so you can handle what he's trying to bring. Because this is why. You can only hold the capacity you were created to carry. Oh, I need to say that again. Someone needs to catch that. You can only hold the capacity you were created to carry. Most of you know this because I talk about it a lot. I am horrible at building furniture. I'm not that husband. I hire guys to build Ikea furniture. I just do. I'm not that guy. Like my wife knew what she married. She knew I could talk a lot. She knew I could probably talk people down when we're buying things, but she knows she's got to call her dad if she wants to build something. I'm just going to be honest. And I'm not even ashamed or embarrassed of it. I call him too. I'm like, hey, dad, I need you to help me out with this at the house. You know what I'm saying? So, so when I first become a youth pastor, listen, back in the old building, we used to have, um, this building was all concrete. Anybody remember when it was all concrete back in the day? Anybody was here like seven, eight years ago? Okay, like five people. All right, cool. <laughs> And it was so loud in this building. I remember when I was a youth pastor, my first year here, if I was in my office in the back and the youth room used to be where the kids' rooms was in the corner, I can yell, also I'm really loud, I can yell from my office in the back. And as long as the doors were open, my kids can hear me in the youth room, right? It's just the way it was. So here, so here, I build this really awesome bookshelf. I was so excited so one of the things I love, I, I love sneakers, but I also love books. I love reading, okay? And I, I built this awesome, cool bookshelf. I had a little office, and I got some money to build this bookshelf. I was so excited. It was a Target bookshelf. It was super vibey. It was trendy. It was going to look so good. It took me forever to build this bookshelf. Because, right, I'm not good at it. I have to read the instructions like again and again and again. It took me forever. And finally, I build it, and this is what I do. I decide to put all of my books on this bookshelf. And I got done with the bookshelf like around one. I'm on that side of the building. I believe I was like in the lobby, this side of the building. Doors were open. And at around six or seven, because I think we were getting ready for youth night or something like that. All of a sudden, all I hear in the office area is crash. I thought someone like broke in. Like it was just this crash. Like everything, it's like something shattered. So I run over here, right? Getting ready for the worst. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I need to call Pastor Ben. You know what I'm saying? Because if someone's trying to break in, I need to get the biggest pastor on the team. And like, we got to roll. I go, no one's there. I look in my office. The bookshelf is in pieces. I was going to quit. Like quit life, quit ministry. I was so sad. I was so devastated. Here's what happened. I put too much Wait on the bookshelf. Poof. I put too much on the bookshelf. And the bookshelf could not carry, because I didn't read the capacity limit, could not carry the weight of what was on the bookshelf. Can I tell you that the reason why God hasn't done the thing you asked is not because he's not willing, it's because he doesn't want to break you. The issue is not God doesn't want to. The issue is, can you have the capacity to hold on to what God's actually trying to give you? Because you can only carry what you have the capacity to hold. And so what does God have to do? God has to redesign some things in us. God has to build some things in us. God has to form some things in us. God has to transform some things in us. Why? Because he's trying to give you more. So he's got to change something in you before he does does something through you. 
Before God wants to give you a better marriage, he's trying to do something on the inside of you. Before God's trying to do something in your family, he's got to do something on the inside of you. Before God's trying to give you that promotion at work, he's got to do inside of you. You know what the problem is in this generation where we've seen so many preachers and so many pastors get to a status where they're famous and they're preaching to thousands and then they fall in secret sin is because their gifting got them there, but they didn't have the character to sustain the capacity of the anointing of God on their life. The process can be slow, not because God's mad at you, but because you haven't let God form you yet. I'm preaching to myself now. If I want God to do what I believe God is saying that he wants to do in me and take me to something new and do something amazing in my life and handle all the blessing and flavor and grace and mercy, I have to let God do something in me. I got to let God do what he did with Jacob. What did God do with Jacob? He had to wrestle Jacob for a blessing, meaning he had to not only call him Israel, but he had to wrestle the Jacob out of him. Come on. I'm preaching to someone in the room. Maybe you're in a season where it feels like you and God are wrestling and it feels like there's some tension and it feels like God's working on you on some things. The little things are no longer little. Those big sins aren't even an issue anymore. It's the small things and you're working on the minute details and it feels like God's mad at you and angry. He's not, my friends. He's getting ready to do something new in your life and that means he's got to wrestle some things out of you. He's got to do some things on the inside of you that maybe aren't comfortable because change isn't comfortable, but it's not until God changes us that he can trust us with the new thing. And here's the thing, you don't even got to do it by yourself. You don't. Who told you that you're in this on your own? Who lied to you and told you that your marriage is just you and your wife or your husband? Who told you that you're the only one following Jesus and no one else? Who told you that you're in this all by yourself when you have a father who loves you and is believing for you? You got a son named Jesus, the son of God, who's whispering in the father's ear on your behalf. You got a spirit, which is called the Holy Spirit, who lives on the inside of you and that is championing you. You got a great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews that's cheering you on 24-7. You got a local church family, whether it's here or the next church you might go to, that wants to believe that God's going to do all that he has for you. Can I tell you that God's already done most of the work? Stop acting like you're doing it on your own. And don't let the lie of the enemy tell you you're by yourself because you are not by yourself. You are not doing this by yourself. You've never been by yourself. And maybe the reason why it's felt like a season of loneliness is because the only way God was going to get your attention was the same way he made Jacob lonely so he can get Jacob's attention. Maybe the reason why there's some relationships that are coming into you in 2024. I know you were tight with them in 2023, but all of a sudden at the end of the year, they're not as close and you're going into something new in 2024. It's because those relationships relationships aren't supposed to handle the capacity of what God wants to do in this new year with you. Maybe the reason why God's shifting things at work is because he needs to get you by yourself with you and God so you can remind yourself that you're not in this by yourself and that God's trying to do something deep on the inside of you. Can I tell you that God wants to build something in you and I? So he'll wrestle you. He'll wrestle you. He'll do what he needs to do. Why? Because in the story, let me, let me just go back to the Bible for a minute. Cause okay, give me a, I'm going to take a pause preaching. Okay. The nation of Israel is about to come out of Jacob's lineage. Now 
God promises to Abraham that out of you, I will choose a nation and that nation will be blessed. And out of your line, that was to Isaac. And then now that is to Jacob. God understands that if Jacob's going to act the way he acted, he's not going to be able to sustain the promise. So he changes it to Israel. It's why Israel's name Israel and not Jacob. The, name, the country of Israel is named after a person, after a man who wrestled with God for the promise of God. And why does that matter in the grand scheme of things? It's because when God wrestles things out of you, it's not even about you anyways. It's about your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids. Even if you're single in here, even if you're 12 years old and you're not married yet, can I tell you, you know when God wrestled with me, it was with youth group on a Wednesday night in Manteca. You know when God wrestled with me when I was in small group and he was teaching me and forming me to no longer be who I used to be, but God was doing something deep on the inside of me. You know when I wrestled with God when I was by myself in my room with Jesus and just talking with him and praying with him and I didn't know that at 12, 13, 14, 15, 18, 21, when God was wrestling with me. He was wrestling not just for me, but he was wrestling for my future marriage. He was wrestling for my future family. He was wrestling because I was going to have a son and a daughter that was going to carry the legacy of the gospel. Can I tell you that God needs to do something in us because there's a promise that's on the way? Jacob couldn't handle the capacity. So God changed his name to Israel. Notice this, notice this. Jacob doesn't get blessed until God changes his name. Come on, I, I know, I know. Like in American Christianity, we love those feel-good blessed messages. Like bless, ooh, I just won't get blessed. I'll come to church on Sunday to get blessed. Can I tell you, change comes first. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't got to change yourself. Jacob didn't change himself. God changed him. So it's twofold. One, the grace and mercy of God gives us the ability to transform into the image of God because it's only by the cross and the resurrection we can do that. At the same time, then we are called to follow him in a deeper way. And then that following, that calling takes place. He begins to transform us from the inside out to actually be able to carry what God has intended the entire time. And here's the second thing, which I think is just as important as this first point is that the name doesn't matter if the walk isn't different. <laughs> I, I know I could just drop the mic, walk out. Yeah, like it's, come on now. People don't care you go to Thrive Church. People don't care that you say you're a Christian and you're walk, you walk the same. You know what the evidence that Jacob was no longer Jacob, but he was Israel, is the Bible says that he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. He walked different. Family, do you walk different than what you used to be? Do you talk different than what you used to be? That's what the world is looking for. That's what your friends are looking for. Some of you in the room who came for the first time, you walked through these doors hoping that this church was actually the Jesus you heard about. And I pray we were. And if we weren't, I'm sorry and we'll get better. Because what we will not do is pretend like we're Christian in voice and not Christian in walk. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, 
Not saying Jacob and Israel, Israel became perfect. Israel wasn't perfect, but there's something that shifted in the second half of Israel's life where you begin to see that he talks different and he walks different and he loves his kids different and, and something's different. Why? Because when you have a moment with God that transforms your life forever, you can't help but stay the same. You're gonna, something's gonna change. Something's gonna be different. And I just refuse to believe that God is raising up a bunch of people in America and in California and in Western Christianity that act one way and talk a different way. What does it matter if God changed your name? What does it matter about the encounters you had? What does it matter about the Holy Spirit propheticness? What, what does it matter? What does it matter about all the spirituality stuff you think you've gone through, but your life does not match what God has actually done? The name doesn't matter if the walk isn't different. That's why God needs to change us. That's why God's going to, right? And, and look, I'm not saying you have to physically walk different. Like some of y'all, I know you came from the Cholo background. I'm not saying you got to bring back the Cholo limp. It wasn't cool then. It's not cool now. Just don't do it. Like, I'm not even going to try to do it. Like, you know, like, no, I'm, not, I'm ghetto, but I'm not that ghetto. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's <laughs> my friends. When people look at me, do they look at an individual who had that something's different because God got a hold of me? Right? Come on. You, you're not the same anymore. You, you used to party with us and you don't, you don't party with us anymore. You, you used to laugh at the jokes we used to laugh. You're not laughing at those jokes anymore. You're not swearing like how we all used to swear. You're not, you know, we all used to cheat and we all used to lie and we all, you're, you're not doing those things anymore. Why? It's because God did something in my life. I don't need those things anymore because God transformed me from the inside out. That God has done something real in my life and no longer am I falling into the trap of sin that desperately begins to drain me and take the life out of me. But no, no, no. I, I came encountered with a God who transformed me from the inside out. And, and yeah, now I walk with a limp, meaning that I walk different and I talk different and I sound different. Why? Because God did something real on the inside of me. I think that's what God wants to do. He wants to do something new in us. But have we allowed God to change us? Which leads to my last question. Pastor Juan, come help me out wherever you're at. What does God need to change? You know, I love that question because it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 30 years or like two weeks, we all have something God needs to work in us on the inside. We do. But it would be arrogant to believe that we're good. We're not. I don't see you walking on water. And if you do, please tell me. Because either we have to cast out a demon or you're really legit. I'm preaching to myself, family. What does God need to change in me? I love this verse. It says that Jacob wrestled with him. I want, I want to, you don't have to put it up. I just want to read it. It's the first verse. And it says, and Jacob was left alone and a man, that word wrestled with him until the breaking of day, wrestled. There's only two times we find that word wrestled in scripture. It's not the same wrestled as like how you and I, like when I read that, when I probably, I was younger, I was thinking like WWF, you know what I'm talking about? Like I'm thinking cage match. I'm thinking like the Hardy boys jumping off the cage and like, come on, any millennials in the house? Help me out, bro. Jose, come on. Shoot. You know, John Cena. No, I'm just playing. No, I'm just, no, no. Wrestled. It, it means, it, it's, it's an interesting word in Hebrew. It means, it doesn't mean wrestled. It means to roll around in the dirt with. 
It means to, to get dust on you. See, I understand wrestling. I have siblings. I have brothers. Anybody have brothers in the room? That's our love language, man. Like if I went to your house and just started wrestling you, that's weird. Like that, like you're going to call the cops, right? Like that's awkward. If I'm just like, let's wrestle. Nah, like chill. If you're like that, chill. Like if you just go into people's homes and you're like, you want to wrestle? Nah, bro. <laughs> I felt like that was for someone online. Online. Nobody in the room. Online. And, uh, but my brothers, like my brother Alex, he was here first. Sir. My brother Isaac was here on vacation. My brother Justin, my brother Julian. That's what we do. We rest. That's how we love each other. We wrestle. And like, I'm the smallest in the family. So I had to, I had to like learn some jujitsu stuff. Cause I had to like, cause I ain't going to let, I ain't going to let my little brothers punk me. You know what I'm talking about? Like just because I love Jesus, don't make me a punk. I'm just saying. Wrestling has to deal with proximity, right? I can't, I can't wrestle someone if they're 10 feet away. I can't wrestle you with my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like we're wrestling, we're mind wrestling. That was weird. You got to be close to someone. And I think a lot of us want to be close with God. I think this is the year where God wants to be close to you. But can I tell you that God in his closeness, look, here's the good news. He loves you enough to be close. Here's the bad news. He will wrestle anything out of you that doesn't belong to him. Why? Because he loves you enough to not leave you the same. And so for some of you, the only way this is going to work is you got to get close to Jesus because you can't wrestle him from afar. And you know what's the beautiful thing about that passage I was sharing? Is that what makes you believe that God is scared of your dirtiness and God is scared of your secret sin? Because that's why you don't want to get close to God, right? Because you think you're embarrassed. You think you're ashamed. You think because of what you're doing, you, don't, you think God wants nothing to do with you. Can I tell you that if God was willing to roll in the dirt with Jacob, what makes you think that God is not willing to roll in the dirt with you? Oh, but Pastor Chris, I need this to change, but it's just so bad. Who said? How bad? To God? It's all the same. Why? He died for all the same sins on the cross. Right? The resurrection is power enough. The gospel still works today. No one's too lost. No one's too broken. No addiction is too strong. No marriage is too fallen apart. No addict is too stuck. No cage is too strong. Can I tell you today that Jesus and the gospel still works? And if you would get close to him and he would get close to you, maybe there's going to be a little wrestling. Maybe there's going to be some things he's got to get out of you. But don't expect him to just leave you alone. No, no, no. I'm telling you today that he is not scared of your dirtiness. He is not scared of rolling in the mud with you. He is not scared of doing what he needs to do to do what you need to do so that way God can do what he wants to do through you. And I'm telling you this today that if you would say, you know what, in 2024, God make the changes in me that you need to change. I don't care about blessing. I don't care about favor. I don't care about just God doing a new thing. God, I need you to change me from the inside out. And maybe I'm going to be like Jacob and I'm going to wrestle for you until the day breaks, meaning I'm going to do it for a while. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but God do what you need to do on the inside of me. What does God need to change? My friends, only you can answer that question. And I believe God wants to address that before we go. Stand to your feet with me.
don't want to dim the lights. And I want everybody to just ask yourself that question. And here's what I want to do. I want to make a space. I want to make a, a pineal, right? A, 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 an area where you and God can wrestle for a little bit. Meaning, can you get in God's face, right? When you wrestle, you got to get in his, right? Got to get in his face. Can you get in God's face? That's what the Psalm says. Like this would be the generation that would seek the face of God. The generation of Jacob. That's what it says in Psalms, right? Can we have a moment where we seek the face of God and say, God, I'm not leaving until you bless me, which means God, I'm not leaving until you change me. Because for God to bless you, that means God needs to change some things in us. And would we be honest with ourselves and say, you know what? There's some things I need God to change. There's some things in my marriage I need God to change. There's some things in my mind I need God to change. There's some things in my spirit that I need God to change. There's some things in my soul and my emotions that I need God to change. There's some things in my calling that I need God to change. There's some things in my character and my integrity that I need God to change. There's some sin that I'm struggling with that I need God to change. Can I tell you, let yourself wrestle with God and watch what God begins to do. If that's you and you would say, you know what? I need God to change some things in my life. Meet me up here in the front and I want to pray with you. Come on. No one, two, three count, no head bow, no eyes closed. As some of us, the reason why we need to get out of our seat is because it doesn't come become real until we get out of our seat. I'm not saying God can't hit you in the back row. I'm just saying for us as humans, we have to step out and it's a faith step. It's actually an obedience step that begins to describe what God is doing in our heart. Come on, all across the room. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Family, this isn't you getting saved all over again. This is just you wrestling with God and allowing God to do what he needs to do. Keep coming, keep coming. Scoot in, scoot in, scoot in. If you got some space, go ahead and take a step forward if you need to. We got so many people coming from the back. Come on, I know there's more. I know there's more. Keep scooting in on the inside over here. Keep scooting in, keep scooting in. If you're in this room, you're like, man, should I go up there? Yes, it's not that complicated. Come on, step out of your seat. Step out of your seat. Why? Because we're just making space for God in our heart. We're just deciding, you know what, Jesus? I'm gonna do what you want me to do. I'm gonna allow this moment. I'm gonna just take it serious. I'm gonna walk up to the front as an obedient step to say, you know what, Jesus? You're gonna do something in this time. Keep coming up, keep coming up. Keep spreading out a little bit more. I think there's some room over here. Keep coming this way. Can you help me with that? Keep coming this way. Keep coming up a little bit. Come on, keep coming, keep coming. Pastors, if we need to push that front row back, go ahead if you can help me with that. And if you wanna come up here, come up here. And listen, I believe this, that in this moment, can we do what Jacob did? And can we just get in the face of God for a few minutes, right? I know you got to go. I know you got lunch plans. But I think that we would be foolish to not take this moment that God's challenging us and ask ourselves this question, God, what are you trying to do in me? What is the change that you're trying to make on the inside of me? What Holy Spirit are you wanting to do so that way I am not taking this into the new year? What is the thing you are trying to do on the inside of my life? And so every head bowed, come on. Eyes closed. Just lock in with me. Why do we close our eyes? Just to lock in, just to pay attention, just to focus. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit so strong in this room. I really do. Because he loves it when his people respond to what he wants to do in their life. He, he loves it. He loves it when we draw near. So repeat this after me all across the room. I just want to pray. I want to invite God 
And one of the ways I've learned to do it is when we do it together in unity. It's, it's just, it's beautiful. Heaven hears and man, the spirit just, it's like we give him a front row seat, right? We, we, we say, hey, you're welcome here. You're welcome in this place. So repeat this after me. Say this, Jesus, we invite you to come and to change whatever you need to change in my heart, in my mind, in my behavior, and in my life. So stay right there. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would just begin to move throughout the room as the tears begin to flow. I pray for the spirit of repentance to hit the room right now. I pray for the spirit of conviction to hit the room right now. I pray for you, Holy Spirit, to begin to call us deeper and higher. Holy Ghost, I pray for your presence and your power. I pray that the gospel would begin to transform lives in this room. That, Holy Spirit, we would draw near like never before in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the grace to wrestle right now. I pray for the mercy and the grace of God to begin to wrestle things out of us. And this is what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're just going to worship. And as we worship, pastors, if you want to lay hands and pray for people, just put a hand on a shoulder, go for it. And we're just going to pray for each other. We're just going to allow this moment to let God move and let God speak. And then we're going to close. And so family, let's just worship together. Let's take this moment. Let's pray together. And let's believe that the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. Come on, Pastor One team. Let's just lead us out. And let's begin to sing what they're singing. And let's begin to go after God and do what he needs to do in our life. Chains fall, fear bow here now. Jesus, you change everything. Come on, let him do it. Lives heal. Come on. Hope found here now. Jesus, you change everything. Chains fall, fear bow here now. Jesus, you change everything. Lives healed, hope found here now. Jesus, you change everything. Oh, chains fall, fear bow here now. Jesus, you change everything. Lies healed, hope found here now. Jesus, you change everything so show us your glory show us your glory in wonder and surrender we fall down come on let's sing that out let's sing it like we mean it come on let's ask show us your glory come on show us your glory let heaven hear you let every burning heart be holy Spirit, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Show us like Jacob. Show us your glory. In wonder and surrender, we fall down. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Let 
Something's changing in spirit Something's breaking, I can feel it Heaven, calm down Heaven, calm down Something's changing in spirit Something's breaking, I can feel it Heaven, calm down Heaven, calm down Something's changing in the spirit Something's breaking, I can feel it Heaven, calm down Heaven, calm down Something's changing in the spirit Something's breaking, I can feel it Heaven, calm down Heaven, calm down Come on, everyone in the room, just lift up your hands Close your eyes one more time Let's sing this out, show us your glory we're going to let you go, but let's sing that out. And really, it's like a prayer almost. Like, God, show us like you showed Jacob. Everyone in the house, if you can, lift your hands. It's just a sign of surrender. It's a sign of humility that this church would be a church that's open to you, Jesus, doing what you need to do in us. That our people would be a people that would be open to change and transformation. That you, God, are welcome to do the new thing. And if you need to do something in us to make the new thing happen, do it. And we would believe that, God, you would show us your glory in the process. Come on, family, let's sing it out all together. Show us your glory. Let's sing it. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. In wonder and surrender we fall down. Show us, Jesus. Show us. Show us your glory. We want you. Show us your glory. Let every burning heart be holy ground. We want you in our families, in our lives. We want you, Jesus. Show us your glory. You make all things new. Show us your glory. In wonder and surrender we fall down. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Let every burning heart be holy ground. So Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just give it up for what God did in the room today. Come on. Yeah. So good. So good. So let me pray for you before we go. God, seal it. Let it not just be a Sunday thing. Do the hard work as we walk out. Begin to call us deeper. Speak to us in the car, at home. God, I think some even in the room right now, I really feel this. There's some people, you, some of you are about to in this season really have a Jacob to Israel moment. Like addiction breaking and you are no longer who you're gonna, who you used to be. And, and you've actually been praying that something significant would happen. I, I really feel there's a grace for that. And so God, whoever that's for, we just pray that you would do that. And we are excited for what you're doing in this season. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, one more time. Let's just give it up for what God did in the room today. Come home. So good. Family, I can't wait for next week. Make sure to invite a friend. We're going to go episode two, man, of this series. It's going to be good. I love you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We will see you next week. Love you all. 
once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.